Welcome to the How to Raise Money podcast for anyone who wants to raise other people's money for a business or property venture. Right now, there has never been more money on the planet and there has never been more opportunity. This podcast will help you put the two together. So, if you need money for your business or property proposals from banks, lenders, angels, whales or dragons, this is the podcast for you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the How to Raise Money podcast with me, Ray McLennan. And it's with me, Nigel T. Best. Ray Mondo, I haven't asked this for a while. How the devil are you? <laughs> you ask me all the time, Nigel. It should be the other way around. I should be asking you for the next 60 episodes how you're doing. You know, Ray, whenever I ask you, you always look like you've been caught off guard as well. That's, <laughs> that's the thing that makes me chuckle. <laughs> I'm hoping you'll mix it up one of these days. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Good morning, Raymondo. How the devil am I? Yeah. Um, but we won't. Right, right. Come on, let's jump straight into it because time's of the essence. And a lot of people are thinking, I've got a bit of time, but I haven't got any money. Can I, you know, use one for the other? Do I have any skills? Do I have anything? How the heck can I raise some additional money? Whether it's for, you know, just getting by for mm -hmm. investment, raising deposits, um, you know, what could it be? I mean, crypto at the moment, Ray, as we talk, you know, why would you, you know, the price of a Bitcoin at, at 30,000, I mean, who'd want a $45,000 Bitcoin? Because Bitcoin's only worth 8,000. So, mm. you know, it, it's up and down like a insert yes. proverb, um, but there you go. <laughs> Which so is, people, uh, people want talking, money, about, talking about making money. <laughs> <laughs> but but people are people are looking for money and the weird thing is at this juncture where we are in the world at the moment communication mm. mass communication the ability to get your message out there to have some publicity to yep. do some marketing create a business do something from your own home in your own hours with flexibility and all the rest of it has never been better mm -hmm. so you know what are you thinking, Ray? Should people be, you know, seriously thinking about this? Well, absolutely. I mean, everybody has a skill. Um, you know, everyone has a core skill that they're very good at. And then everybody has all these ancillary skills that they can certainly brush up on and add to um, to make themselves more valuable. I, I read a statistic somewhere um, from one of these companies that does surveys about jobs and so on, saying that every time you uh, add a skill to your resume, you increase your um, ability to, to get a higher wage, which would seem to make sense. Um, and an example of that would be that, you know, many, many years ago, I was a solicitor and um, there are uh, 120,000 solicitors. So, you know, what makes them all differentiate from each other? Well, usually what they do is they go down the specialist route. So a solicitor decides he wants to specialize in something like intellectual property or commercial resolutions or something like that, and becomes an expert at that. And the thinking and the reasoning behind that is the same as uh, a doctor decides to specialize in something. Because, you know, if you've if you have a challenge with your heart, for example, you want to speak to a heart specialist, someone who's you know immersed themselves in that for 20 odd years. And that's that's the sort of general thinking. But I don't think that applies across the board to, to every uh, person who's on, who's online or working. You don't always have to be a specialist because you can certainly 
segue into different things. So to go back to the earlier sort of example of a lawyer, right? What makes you set? What makes you um, differentiate? Well, uh, as a lawyer, um, I was you know doing corporate law, same as tens of thousands of other corporate lawyers. So what made me stand out? Well, I decided to do public speaking. So I decided to uh, write articles, for example, for for a website. Now that already started to separate me out. That was a skill that you can easily learn, copywriting or a good headline or getting to the point of a particular, you know, nuance of law that anyone can read. You know, you don't want to read something that only a barrister or an advocate can read. You want to you want something that that, you know, the man in the street or as the lawyers say, the man on the Clapham omnibus um, can and that is a thing. Yeah. Uh, the man in the Clapham omnibus has to have an understanding of it. So it has to be presented in language that people understand. So I started doing that. That led to being invited to speak. And then once you become someone who can write articles and can be invited to speak, then clearly that starts to separate you from the herd. So in terms of corporate lawyers, you become, you know, you're one of tens of thousands, but one that can actually write articles and can do public speaking, you now become one of several hundred rather than that, rather than thousands. Then if you can learn, for example, not just to speak, but to actually sell from the stage. So you have a purpose. You then become one of only, you know, a, a, a even smaller minority who can do that. And when you add those skills together, that suddenly makes you more valuable to, to a law firm and you stand out. And I reckon that everyone, you know, it's something that everyone can do. Everybody has a core skill and everyone can add other skills and everyone can make themselves more valuable. So how do you raise money these days? Well, we're going to talk about that because we're in a time of uh, effectively austerity when everything's getting more expensive, but wages are not rising in line with inflation and every penny's a prisoner. And uh, I've certainly had other people talking to me and saying, well, where can I, you know, where can I get some more money from? So um, it's not always about raising debt. You know, the, the, when I used to talk to incubators and startups, um, I remember one time talking to Scottish Enterprise, about 120 people in the audience. And before me, was a, a lawyer who was telling them how to incorporate, how to set up a limited company, where to get their business cards from, about leasing premises and, and all this sort of carry on and getting a website and yada, yada, yada. And I went up after him and said, I said to him on the way off the stage, I said, look, I'm sorry, I'm going to contradict everything that you've just said, but you know, don't take it personally. And then I got on the stage and I said, that's all very well and good. And it's great advice and great information. However, you have to make a sale. What are you selling? Who has bought it other than your mum and your friends? Can you sell this to someone else? Because that's the key. The key is sell what you've got. And if you can sell it, um, then you can market it and then you can sell it to more people. And that's the cheapest money you'll ever get is making a sale. That's the best money you'll ever get is making a sale. Um, the, the, the sort of main guru for this would be a guy called Tim Ferriss. We've probably all heard of Tim Ferriss. He's the four-hour work week guy and the four-hour chef, which is a great book. But his advice to anyone who was thinking of starting a business or selling a product or doing something was to create a one-page website with a sales button 
and say, here is something that I have. This is the offer. This is what I, you know, it will do for you, et cetera, et cetera. And if you want to buy it, click on the link below. And he said that that was better than any survey or any number of people telling you they would buy it because that was people who were actually getting their credit cards out or their debit cards out and buying it. Because as we know, and, and we've seen this in surveys um, for, um, for political um, reasons, people will survey and say, what do you think? People will say one thing and then they'll vote another. So there's a big difference between what people say they will do and what they will actually do. And I'm often quoted as saying, if you stopped 100 people in the street of a major UK city and you said to them, do you think there should be more butchers, bakers, fishmongers and candlestick makers on the high street? They would all say yes but they'd all vote at Tesco, they'd all shop at Tesco. So people say one thing and, and do another. So the crux of, of anything is to get real life sales and real life orders. So that's my thinking of it. There we and, I don't are. Think, and I don't think anything's changed over the years. It's still the same. You know, it's, it's the proof of the pudding is in the, is in the eating. The proof of the product is in the number of people that will actually buy it. The number of people will actually put their hand in their pocket and, and click on that button to put it in the shopping cart. That's what, that's the real key measurement. There you are, you see, folks. Now, that, thus spake a, a solicitor who set the meter running before he said it. Yes, I'll answer that in 10 seconds. Um, <laughs> Ray, I mean, one of the things, thinking about legal stuff, if, if you've got that ability to translate legal speak into normal speak, You've got the potential to hit a wide audience to give people some understanding of what is very confusing terminology. I always remember a lecturer telling me, he said, it's a chattel, dear boy, be it horse, hawk or robe. And I was thinking, all right, all right, where, where's, uh, what year are you living in again? I said, because I didn't park up my horse. Um, my robe, I think I've left in the cupboard. And as for the hawk, that flew off a long time ago. Uh, but I just love these things. And, and a chattel, you know, again, words that we don't use, but here's the power. Folks, if, if you've had, in whatever walk of life you've done, if you've had conversations with people where you've taken technical speak and made it into plain English, mm. remember there is a plain English society, which is very busy translating everything every corporate puts out into language that the common person can understand. And these aren't kind of thickos that they're trying to talk to. It is educated people, very educated people who still get confused by corporate speak. So if you've got a skill like that, oh my goodness, you could do it for, you know, if, if you get something, you, you've signed up to a bank and you get all the blurb and you just think, what the hell is going on here? get in touch with the bank and say, do you want me to make this into plain English? Do you want me to help you with this? Do you want me to translate that? Should I do this? You could do it through them or mm -hmm. you could do it yourself. And folks, you only need to look at social media at the moment. Um, and right. Hey, Hey baby, I'm on TikTok. I'm on TikTok <laughs> now. I've got a couple of, I've got a couple of little TikToks up there. I think I've got one tick and one talk. It, it, I don't know, is that the right way of talking about it? But anyway, um, I've got some up there because um, I was talking to um, as someone recently and they were saying, look, I'm putting up these TikToks, been working at it for about 18 months. Some of his TikToks are now getting millions of views. 
and he's using it as a funnel to his YouTube channel. And on his YouTube channel, it's a webinar. And on his webinar, it's a course where he is teaching people. And he is now for free marketing. And what's he doing? He's taking something that's relatively complicated and really simplifying it. And if you think, okay, business is all about providing a solution to someone's problem at a profit. That's fundamentally all it is. But you've got to, first of all, know what people's problem is. Yep. Uh, then you've got to have a solution that fixes the problem. And then you've got to charge an amount that will mean that you stay in business because you're making profit. And, and that's all you're trying to do. So if you've got any skill where you're thinking, hang on, hang on, I've seen people struggle to understand this. Uh, I've seen people who are struggling to do that or do this or, or whatever. It's, my God, they don't know. It's so obvious. All you do is this. Well, you've got to remember, it's very hard to unlearn something. And when you think everyone knows it, you can work on the basis that everyone doesn't know it. Um, you may well have seen lots of people talking about it and think, oh, everyone's talking about it. No, they're not. And I think this is where politicians get it wrong. They get a bee in their bonnet. The BBC or whoever starts talking about it. They think everyone's talking about it. Everyone isn't. And you've got to take that attitude in with your skill. So if you're trying to raise some money, think of it like this. You need a million pounds for a project, which funnily enough, at the moment I do. And I think to myself, right, I could sell one thing for a million pounds or I could sell a million things for one pound or somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. And so you're thinking to yourself, well, actually, Actually, if I sold 100,000 at 10 quid or 1,000 at 1,000, you know, can, I, I could get there. And you've got to think to yourself, okay, what skill do I have? What can I do? What's the problem that people are facing? And Ray, we've seen this so many times, and history is full of examples. Some of the greatest inventions and the greatest sort of businesses are born out of the person who runs that business they had a problem themselves and they came up with a solution for themselves. And then they realized, Hey, everyone else wants this as well. I didn't realize so many people had a problem. So if you've fixed anything, solved anything, you know, given a solution to something, just pause and think, hang on, would anyone else benefit from this? And as you say, Ray, um, all you need to do these days is get a website, get on social media and, and start talking about it because we would do, folks, we were just doing an impromptu yesterday, uh, an impromptu sort of web building class, weren't we, Ray? Mm -hmm. And I, I kind of took you through um, a, a few things and connecting a few things up, you know, publishing it, getting a, a web page up there and out there. And what was it, about 40 minutes? Yeah. So we had a functioning, a functioning product obviously it didn't have those glamour shots of you ray on it at that point <laughs> you know <laughs> but, the glamour but it, shot <laughs> <laughs> but it it was a, a working functioning thing and ray how many times when we've been coaching people do you find that they get stuck in the concept and the theory and worrying about perfection ducks yeah. in a row stars yep. aligning yep. And, yep. and they never actually give uh, the paying public an opportunity to buy because they never actually put it in front of people. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you can't edit a blank sheet of paper. You have to start with something and you put it up and find out if it works and then you take it down and retweak it and put it back up again and see how it works, whether that's the headline or whatever it is. But you've got to start with something. You've got to you've got to get out there and and yeah, start with something. Um, I have coached, I have coached quite a number of people over the years. And yes, they do have good ideas and good, good, you know, good things that they want to sell and get out there. But they often get in their own way by, uh, you know, not putting it in a, a shop window, not showing anybody what it is. And it's it's left on the table. Um, and yeah, they're leaving a lot of money on the table by not doing something. So you've got to take a chance and go for it. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, well, actually, I have a few good ideas and that sort of thing, you know, get in touch. We can help you. We can point you in the right direction. You can send uh, an email to hello at htrmoney.co.uk um, and, and ask for some help and guidance. And we'll gladly give that completely free of charge just to point you in the right direction. Yeah. And Ray, at, at the moment, the way the world's moving. So you've got all the things that you know, if, if you have a look, if you if you're good at being um, a PA, you can be a VA, so a virtual mm. assistant. Yep. Uh, if you're good with numbers and doing books, you can now do people's, um, you know, bookkeeping uh, remotely. Uh, if you're good at translating, you can do things like that. If you're good at managing other people's social media, you hate being on social media yourself, but you're very good and you understand it. You could do it for someone else. Uh, if you could transcribe, you could do that. But here's the thing, Ray, and we will see this more and more and more. You will see pay to play. So if you are a gamer or you're not a gamer, but you'd like to be a gamer, you you are now being able to earn tokens. So you can earn NFTs, you can earn crypto, you can begin to earn these things. You can then, if you're good at creating, so maybe you're good at design, Folks, if you've never heard your kids talk about, I need I need $5 to buy a new skin, uh, and you're sort of scratching your head thinking, well, what are they doing? What What is this? <laughs> Silence of the lambs or some, some sort of twisted thing? No, folks, it's, it's where things are going. Um, online currencies, NFTs, all these things, they are going to be commonplace uh, very soon. And if virtual, you can get in- Virtual property. <clears throat> yeah, virtual property and people design things in the virtual world. Uh, they will mint an NFT for it so that then uh, people can own it and it's tradable and it will have a value. Um, it, these are amazing things. But if if you're wanting to learn a new skill, there's plenty of ways to do it. Mm -hmm. um, Ray, you've got your program, the Skill Stack, indeed, um, yeah, uh, which is. You know, we'll put a link in the show notes to help people uh, understand how to gather more skills or even just translate and perfect the skills you've got into something that other people would demand. Yeah. Um, well, can I give just an, a brief example that people might be able to relate to as to yeah. where that came from? Um, it came from, um, I remember reading an article by Sir David Brailsford, who is the guy that took sky cycling. Um, so after the... Uh, London Olympics in 2012, he took over the, the, the cycling team, if you like, the Sky cycling team. Um, not the one with Sir Chris Hoy and that sort of thing, but the one with Bradley Wiggins and that, in it. And uh, he had a simple plan. He'd said that in, uh, as of 2012, the, the Tour de France had been going 109 years. And in that 109 years, there had never been a British winner. 
So he decided that in the next five years, they were, there was going to be a British winner of the Tour de France. And as we know, um, over the next seven years, I think five British winners had won it. Now, <clears throat> what did he do differently? Well, he didn't reinvent the wheel or he didn't um, invent some new bicycle or new, you know, Lycra or a new style or anything like that. He just simply looked right across the board and said, right, we want 1% incremental improvements in everyone's skill area. So whether that was uh, the bike, the cleanliness of the bike, the clothes they were wearing, the, the crouching position, the nutrition, the exercise, it was all about just getting these 1% incremental um, improvements across the board. And if you make a 1% incremental improvement over a couple of areas, your end result is not, you know, if you make a 1% improvement across three areas, your end result is not a 3% increase. Your end result is about a 20% increase because of the way it works by compounding. So incremental gains uh, was, was his theory. And it worked really, really well. Now, obviously, the French were up in arms because they thought that something has gone on, skullduggery, drugs involved and all the rest of it. Um, but none of that was involved. It was just about a, a detailed approach to specific areas that everybody already had. And it was just about improving them and making them slightly better. So uh, I believe all of us have skills. We can all speak. We can all use a mobile phone. We can all use a laptop. We can all do lots of things that everyone else can do. But what changes it and makes that one thing that little bit better? I mean, take uh, mobile phones, for example. If you're taking a video on a mobile phone, do you take the video landscape or do you take it um, portrait? Do you take it portrait or landscape? And then where's the, the face positioned in the video? Is it to the left? Is it to the right? And there should be a gap, slight gap above the head. And so, so there's tiny little things that, that most people don't know. But once you show them, suddenly the videos, the, the films they're taking start to look that little bit more professional. Then you can spend something like £6.99 on a, a clip-on microphone, and you can plug that into the bottom of the phone. And then when you're doing a commentary to the phone, you've not got wind in the background, you've not got any kind of disturbance or noise because you've got this little microphone clipped onto you, £6.99. You know, silly little things like that, that over time can make a massive difference. And that's what the skill stack is about. And that's when I think it comes to to raising money and to looking at things like that. It's just to look at well, what am I already doing and how can I make that slightly better? Just that little bit better. Because there's, um, you know, when you, when you, the little things make the big difference. You know, when you see a horse race that, that's won by a nose, you know, that nose is an inch. The race might be, uh, you know, two miles. You know, it might be two miles. That's 140,000 inches. And yet one inch makes the difference between the winner that gets the top prize and second that gets significantly less. It's the little things that make the big difference. So when it comes to uh, skills and it comes to knowledge and it comes to improving, it's, it's just little increments that make a big difference. Yeah, here right. End, here endeth the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> right. It, it, it is one of those things, the 1% the incremental thing. Uh, fascinating because when you look into what they looked at, uh, I've got a, I've been reading a, a great book. So folks, if, if you're um, just sort of thinking, and again, you, if you go to htrmoney.co.uk forward slash resources, you'll see a link there to uh, Dominic Frisby's book, for example, hope you enjoyed that episode where we spoke to him. 
but I'm also putting together a list of equipment that we use and other things where you can source it and ideas that we've got and those sort of things and the books that we read. And just I just want to um, highlight one book because this really does sort of add to what you're talking about there. And it also adds to the way that people come in and they shake up an industry. Um, okay, so I'm just trying to find, <laughs> here we go. It's one by Matthew Syed. So he did uh, The Power of Purposeful Practice and the Myth of Talent. Mm -hmm. So the 10,000 hours. Um, he did that. He, he's done a few. did black box thinking, which compared the airline industry to the health service and medical uh, accidents. Um, but he's the one that I've just been listening to was one called Rebel Ideas. And the, the thinking behind this is that if you have... Um, if you gather a group of people who are involved in something, they all come to the same sort of way of thinking because mm -hmm. they're involved in it. So yep. Effectively, you can't see the wood for the trees. And they, they have nothing else, you know, nothing else that sort of sparks an idea. But he says you look back through history and it's always the case. So someone takes something, someone applies it to something else, someone comes in from a totally different angle and you get uh, the resultant sort of, product is in, is incredible and it gives incremental and and also massive step changes and the one that he goes back to and read the book because it's fascinating I'm, I'm going to totally butcher this this bit of it but in the age of steam power when they were doing big factories mm. uh, electricity and electric motors were right there but for some reason the electric motors they didn't take off and what happened was the only people that could afford the electric motors in the factories were the factory owners and the factory owners understood that the massive steam power you had one big unit and that steam power drove everything in the factory and they tried to replicate that with the electric motor and they realized that it, it wasn't good enough now had they had someone else and said well actually every machine can have its own electric motor it would have you know absolutely transformed things and we probably would have just used coal to generate electricity and all the factories would have been uh, electric powered, but they didn't have that interaction of ideas. So folks, if, you, if you're thinking to yourself, right, hang on, I've got a different take on a, something that's very conservative, then you might have the opportunity to get in and create a business or do something uh, where you can share that idea, get people in and you know, generate money from it. So you could create wealth yourself by just simply taking something and tweaking it in a way that other people haven't done it. It's a fascinating book. It show it compares the rise of Silicon Valley mm -hmm. to where at the time there was a place south of Boston, I think it was, which was known as the tech place. Um, all the big companies had all their factories there. Silicon Valley had very little, but they kept themselves to themselves. Anything they came up with, they didn't share, they didn't talk about, and they certainly didn't want the opposition knowing about. Silicon Valley, they met up. They went for coffees. They ate together. They shared ideas. They chatted about things. And it sparked a mushrooming of things. So if you're thinking to yourself, do you know, I think I've got an idea about this, but I'm not too sure. Get in touch with us. Have a chat. 
have a chat. Let's see if we can flesh out some ideas. Let's see if we can implement it. And just like I did for Ray the other day, if you're wanting, you know, a website creating, I can show you how to do that in in minutes and minutes and hours, <laughs> in minutes mm. and hours, as opposed to years and twenty thousand mm. dollars. A lot of people sort of go, oh well, I'll get one from here. It's only going to cost me. 3000 and you and you go yeah yeah that's fine okay how do you make updates how do you tweak it how do you change it oh well the guy who did it has gone and now i don't know where this is and <laughs> yeah. to add a photo is a hundred dollars to change anything and all the rest of it take the power folks take the power mm. create it because just to finish on this ray you've heard of ralph waldo emerson haven't you i have yeah uh, a famous i think he was sort of 19th century uh, american literist a philosopher and various other things. And he said many famous or many quoted quotes, whether he actually said them or not, but one attributed to him is um, build the world's greatest mousetrap and the world will beat apart to your door. Unfortunately, the guy wasn't a marketer or mm. a businessman because it's only any, any ever good. I'll have to edit that. It's only ever any good um, if you tell the world that you've built the world's greatest mousetrap. Because if you don't publicize, market, advertise, PR, whatever it is, then no one is going to know you've got it and no one will come to your door. So, Ray, how many times have we seen people with amazing ideas where we say, right, you've just got to basically grow a pair and get out there. I know you don't want to be in video. I know you don't want to be on social media. I know you hate Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. But unless you use it, you will not get out there and do it. And if you tell people what you're doing, then we go back to the Crest model, don't we, Ray? It's credibility mm -hmm. and trust Yep. in there. You build it up, your digital footprint, folks, it all interlinks. It all interlinks. If you've got ideas, get them out there. And if mm -hmm. you need help getting them out there or refining them or working on them, you know, we'd love to help. Yeah. So, Okay. Hey. Talking about sort of other industries and crossovers, um, I was uh, it sort of reminded me of one that I thought was quite good. Um, Michael O'Leary, who's the chief executive of Ryanair, love him or hate him, he's an accountant. He did uh, effectively revolutionise uh, the airline industry and the era of you know cheap travel. And how did he manage to do it? He managed to do it by massively cutting down on costs and massively uh, utilising the the plane the plane's time in the air, because that's where money was made. It was not made sitting on the ground. And he lived just outside Dublin, and one of his neighbours was Eddie Jordan. Eddie Jordan, who had Jordan Formula One team. And they were chatting uh, one day about uh, how Jordan could train a team of guys to change four tyres and fill a car with fuel in four seconds. And he said, maybe you could come and train my guys to unload the baggage of a plane and turn the planes around. And that's exactly what he did. They managed, they turned a plane around in 28 minutes, which was the fastest ever. And that got people up into the air and got them more money. It revolutionized the industry. And one other thing I recall Michael uh, O'Leary doing was he was sitting one day watching a pallet of magazines, airline magazines being delivered to the plane, uh, ready for, you know, to put them in the pockets in front of every single seat. And he said, how much does that weigh? And when they told him how much it weighed, he did a quick calculation and reckoned that if they did away with the magazines, they would save, I mean, ridiculous amounts of fuel in every flight because it's, it's, it's weight. 
you just don't when you're sitting and you see it in the seat you don't think of it as being any weight but when you take every single magazine you know there'd be 200 of them and stack them up and put them on a weighing machine they weigh quite a lot um and that that contributes to the amount of fuel that a plane would take so he decided to do away with them <laughs> i'm sure if he could get rid of the seats he probably would and if he could have standing room only i think he probably would have that as well but that's just a couple of examples of you know there's a there's a uh, an industry has been going for hundreds of years and then all of a sudden something something happens and there's a fundamental change and then everybody starts copying it yeah you know? true i mean richard branson famously would would always target something that was very staid um and yep. go in and shake it up so he did it with airlines i mean freddie laker did it back in the eight, late 70s early 80s yep. and the airlines were so worried they effectively um, you know, just got together and, and drummed him out of business. But you think about it, do you remember Eddie Shah leaving Fleet Street, opening up at Wapping, um, the Today newspaper? Today newspaper, yeah. Colour color photos and taking it away from, uh, you know, the old things. I mean, I, I remember looking at, um, they used to show us uh, when we were doing uh, economics and learning about uh, trade unions, they used to show the old payrolls and stuff of people claiming for money and there was d duck m mouse <laughs> and um i think there was one of them had a thousand employees and they reckon they actually only had about two or three hundred that worked there um and the rest were fictitious names and their pay packets were always collected by other people funnily enough um uh, you know there was i'm sure there's an element of uh, exaggeration over the years but but it, it went on so you know people came in and they just went look at this, you know, these guys are struggling to make money. I can come in, shake it up, change the cost base, and suddenly I've got a margin that's worth doing. Mm. And, and this is what you need to think, folks. Look at how Amazon came in and said, right, we can sell everything, but we don't buy shops. We don't have massive rental costs. We don't have, you know, shop floor assistance and all these sort of things. We'll deliver it straight to your door. And, you know, the, the difference there on the business rates of the premises compared to all those shops alone just make just means that that company is going to be in a better position to do mm. all sorts of things and and you've got to think at the moment folks look you're in a job we all need more money at the moment you've got to think how can i take my skill and move it online and generate more money now it might be through selling something don't forget we always talk about this don't we ray we always talk about it get out there show what what people are doing build that credibility and trust because when you're asking people to borrow money they're going to go through yeah all the due diligence but if you've got a track record where you are showing you go in you do this that the other and here's the result that's what people are also going to value very highly so look at it as a, as a two-pronged approach, you might make sales and generate revenue, but you might also improve your credibility and widen your appeal to people who may want to invest or lend you money. So folks, do not ignore this. You are in a position that has never been gifted to the population before, and that is that you can reach anyone in the world just about with anything and you can deliver content your knowledge to anyone any time zone automated live in all sorts of ways 
you've got to get in there. You've got to get in there. Everyone has something that someone else wants. And there you go. Good. Okay. All righty. Um, I think we've um, exhausted this level of... Uh... We've flogged, we've flogged that one. <laughs> flogged <we>? this horse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Well, we've got a few good episodes coming up. Um, we've released the Dominic Frisbee one was a good one, a good interview with him. Um, there'll be more people like that that we're trying to get in to talk to. And uh, yeah, lots of good things to come down the pipeline. So uh, I've been Ray McLennan. I'm still Nigel T. Vest. Cheers, folks. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the How to Raise Money podcast. It's made for people who want to raise money as debt or investment equity for their business or property proposal or empire. See you next time, where we can show you how to raise money. There is abundance. There is money enough for everyone on the planet. The question is, who has yours?